0: Gentlemen, welcome back to the Extra Canon podcast. Today it's quite a special day. It's quite a special day actually because it is uh the first episode that we have four men on the show. And uh not that we've had like four women and men on the show before. It's 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 the first just four-person show. Let's put it that way. Let's let's be uh gender inclusive or whatever. It is the uh it is the 16th episode today, and um I am first joined by the usual man. It's it's Mac Johnson. How are we doing, Mac?
1: Doing all right, mate. Um, I think having four people on the show might be the best part about today. So, yeah, excited to get into the rest of the show. (laughs) Yeah. Not potentially excited for our conversation topics. They are... It'll be an interesting one.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that you can say that again. Um, And second of all, he missed out on the last Arsenal Canal podcast, you would have noticed... Um, can't remember why. Actually, I think it was just being lazy. Uh, oh no! What? Didn't you have a hangover or something? I was literally dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he's here today. It's the chief editor of WeLoveYouArsenal.co.uk. Alfie Culture, how we doing?
2: We saying lads? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm decent. I'm decent. We saying Rob?
0: Yeah, not much, not much. Um, and finally, finally, it's it's a long-awaited return. Really, he was. He was quite a feature on the early episodes, but he, he's finally back. Um, I imagine he's approaching the end of his school year, and he's got a bit more time on his hands. So, hopefully, we'll be hearing more from him. But it's Max Mishkon. How you? How we? How have
3: we been, Max? I'm I'm good, thanks, Rob. Yeah, end of school year. Um, a lot more time. Hopefully, a lot more recording. But yeah, uh, ready for this this foursome. Yeah, <laughs> something of a extra of podcast
0: extravaganza right here. Um, so, yeah, we'll jump straight into it. We'll just give you a little intro about what we want to talk about today. We're just going to start by running through Arsenal's uh, quite mediocre 2-1 loss to Hibs, uh, which happened just a few minutes before our recording. Uh, and then we'll go into some of the more, I guess, interesting conversation when we'll go into England's oh, devastating defeat in the Euros um, at the hands of Italy in the final. Uh, which saw Bakayo Saka unfortunately miss a penalty. Uh we'll discuss him and many other things associated to that match in great detail. And I'll, I'll hand over to Mac uh in that part of the show and he'll host um so he can sort of pick the brains of three Englishmen on that on that topic. But um first of all, Mac and Alfie, unfortunately Max didn't get to watch the match today. Just
1: first of all Mac, what what just overall thoughts on that on that two on defeat at the hands of Hibbs. Um, I think my favorite part about the match was not having to watch it for eight pound. Um, <laughs> I, f- I found a nice little, uh, stream off of Reddit. Thank God. But yeah, you no, know, just generally, it was kind of painful to watch. Um, really a reminder that this squad hasn't changed much at all in the interim. Like you, you come back hopeful, first friendly of the season, see what we can do. And then we didn't really do anything, um, you know, play was slow. A lot of sloppy passes. Just pretty, pretty unremarkable in general. Uh, Nicola Pepe and Lacazette changed the game somewhat in the second half. But
0: yeah, they still, look fresh.
1: Yeah, still disappointing. And of course, feels bad for you know the boy with the first professional contract, Arthur Oconquo, Ten minutes mm. in, had an absolute howler. Um, saw a tweet from the Daily Cannon actually that said Arsenal trying something revolutionary. They're now playing with a false goalkeeper, which felt a little bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually against a former Arsenal goalkeeper and Matt Macy, who uh, yeah started yeah. for Hibs and frankly outclassed both Carl Hein and Okonkwo. So it feels a little bit bad. But yeah, no, just lackadaisical game. But it's early preseason and a lot of players were on that pitch that will not be at the club come August. So...
0: Yeah, yeah, the lineup certainly was strange, both in the first half and the second half. You know, there were major changes in the second half. But as you sort of tweeted after the game, Alfie uh, about the expected goals, it was very much in Arsenal's favour. A uh, bit of context probably required. You know, Hibs have played four games already in this in their preseason, whereas it was our mm. first. Um, so you know, I think there were some positives to take, and yeah, let's just talk. Talk, talk us through a little bit of that that context which is needed from a first game of preseason. Yeah, I actually think I disagree slow with what Max said
2: just there. Um I thought for a first preseason game back,
0: I thought the tempo was actually all right. I think. Yeah, and you've you got know, to take into account we normally play like boar and wood in our first game of preseason. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, obviously there were there were moments where it was quite pedestrian in possession, mm. but I thought in general, we played with pretty good intensity, I think particularly in the second half. I thought the second half team was much better in general. Yeah, um, Not surprised. I, th- I think when I saw that lineup uh, for the first half, I was like, that team's going to struggle to create. You had two central midfielders who aren't known for their ball progression, and then you had two strikers who very hardly contribute to the build-up at all uh, in Aubameyang and in Ketia, and then Nelson and Willian who you know, didn't feature that heavily towards the back end of last season, probably a bit rusty um, and generally both who, who I think should probably be out the door this summer. Um, yeah, I yeah. Nelson would be a bit more controversial, but that's what I believe. Um, second half, I think we, yeah, we brought on the better players, essentially. Um, you know, Pepe, Lacazette, Smith-Rowe, I think we're all very good. We're very... First half, I thought we were quite left-sided in our approach. I thought yeah, we saw yeah. more of Kolasinac. Well, yeah, and second half, it was the complete opposite, which I think is natural, given given we had, you know, Pepe and and Pepe and Cedric down that side with Smith-Rowe coming to that side. Second half, and, you know, Balogun playing a sort of an inverted forward on the other side. So we didn't see much down that left-hand side in the second half. But I thought, yeah, I mean, I think we, it's a game we easily could have won if we'd taken some of our chances. You know, the Pepe penalty miss, Um and a couple more good chances we had, particularly in Ketio in that first half. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's a pre-season friendly. Who really cares that we lost? I mean, the, the 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 important thing was getting fitness back to a lot of the players. And as you said there, most of them, in particularly in the first half team, will not be there uh, come the start of the season, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I'm not
0: losing my head about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really important not to be reactionary. And as or touched on, there were, there were a few performances to be uh, sort of quite pleased with, particularly Pepe and Lacazette. Lacazette looked really good, actually. I was really impressed with him. He looked nice he and had sharp. a few
2: comedic moments, though. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, but he always when, when does. It, from the penalty,
0: uh, he scuffed it, should have like, Yeah.
2: absolutely no contact. Yeah. Terrible loose pass, which he actually made mm. up for. But,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. But as you would expect in the first game of preseason, And I guess, Max, uh, I know you didn't watch the game, but Arsenal feature again in a few days, time against Rangers. We mentioned some of the star players from today's... Well, I, don't, I think star might be a bit generous. You know, some of the better players from Arsenal's performance today. Are there any players that you're specifically looking out for in, in the rest of our preseason games to maybe impress Mikel Arteta upon the new season?
3: um yeah definitely looking forward to Balogun seeing as Mm. we've just had such limited minutes um seeing him uh who else am I looking forward to seeing I just want to see Saliba play I know he's isn't he in Marseille now but yeah yeah it's a shame that that situation's I think complicated and I don't think we know the full extent of it um Harry Clark, I want to see. him. I think he's quite highly he was, rated. He was
2: impressive in the first yeah, half. I yeah, yeah, very good yeah. on
3: the ball. Um, mm. I would, I would have liked to see him today. Uh, who else? Yeah, uh, and Pepe. I just, I just enjoy, I just enjoy watching Pepe. I think this could be, I think this could be a season. Um, I want to see him fresh. I think he's hitting his. If if there's a time to hit his peak, it's now. Mm. Um, and was Smithrow wearing number eight today? no he still had the 32 on they're keeping oh. it very secretive aren't they yeah they are they don't want to give that contract away but yeah looking looking forward to seeing him as well i think those are the players i'll I'll be looking out for mm.
0: yeah i mean that that makes a lot of sense i, I for one i'm really looking forward to seeing Nuno i think you pronounce his surname Tavares. Uh he didn't feature today but uh, he's on new left back of course um, and I'd much rather see him start in the next few games over Kalasnak because was I'm, poor. Yeah, I'm Not so surprised. done with seeing him wearing yeah, an Arsenal I mentioned shirt.
2: Just uh, so conservative yes, in his passing. I mentioned me. this yeah. in
1: the chat as well. How has he left for a season long loan and then like gotten worse? Like he's genuinely <sighs> improved. Yeah. In backwards, I mean, he was playing in a terrible mm, shelter yes. team. I don't, think yeah, yeah, I was about was to say you're, you're entirely ages. right, but I don't know. It's just it's really frustrating to see a player, you know, obviously unwanted, but we were used to him putting in poor performances and then he let us down in that regard. It, it was just so many red flags and so many signs to just get rid of him, whatever. What frankly, whatever the cost, I say, whatever the cost for as much as possible, but as little as possible if it'll get him off the books.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, w- there weren't really any other options at left back today, unfortunately. We saw Amari um, Hutchinson come on for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and I thought Wait, he had Where to... does
2: he normally play? He's a midfielder. Uh,
0: I think he can play... Yeah, I think he can play right, anywhere win. across the sort of three behind the striker. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um,
2: I thought Reckick was quite
0: good as well. Good solid. Yeah, he looked okay. Really um, composed
2: on the ball. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it sounds and as, that as that if he might have been he might have been handed a Oh yeah, the the strange the guy kid. He's like 2 years old.
2: You know, who yeah. he reminded me of not because of his style of play, but um because he was wearing a shirt that looked about 7 times too big yeah. for Theo Walcott in his early days when he took <laughs> it in. It was way too big, but he looked like quite neat on the ball. I'd never heard of him before.
0: What was his name? Uh, was it like Henry Francis or something yeah, that was it, it exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and he looks okay but but the same with Hutchinson I, I, I just don't understand why they can't find shirts that fit these lads oh. it seems to always <laughs> happen <laughs> in pre-season it was way too big yeah because <laughs> you look at like Smith Rowe he's quite a small guy yeah his shirt like fitting perfectly today Yeah, Hutchinson I mean, and, uh, it reminded me he-
2: also of when I was playing I think it was under 14s and the club bought everyone extra extra large yeah um did, so we're did, yeah, it a nice. all of us we had to tuck it in
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that um, is true there's the, the, it's just the classic it reminds me of what was the the mason greenwood performance against psg in the champions league a couple of years back where he comes on with a jersey that's about three sizes too big for him way too wide and it's got it's like his numbers ironed on to the back of someone else's jersey and you can see the other numbers <laughs> behind it because it was, you know, last minute sub and didn't have a kit repair and he was about 17 at the time. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, better to do it now against Hibs than against Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. But whatever floats your boat, man, <laughs> that's, it'll be a while till we get there. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair to Henry Francis, I agree with you, Alfie. I thought he had some nice moments. I thought his mm. uh, sort of pace of pass was really good. And yeah, he, he just really wanted to get on the ball and... Don't know if he'll be with us long term, but nice to see him make his debut for his boyhood club, and that's always something that's great to see. Um, and yeah, just a word on on Quanco. Obviously, made a a really bad mistake. Um, I'll come to you with this one, Alfie. Um, yeah, it was a bad moment for him on his on his first team debut, um, and he also had a shaky moment before that as well. He m- yeah, misjudged a cool. ball into the box. Um, yeah, what just what are your sort of words of encouragement towards him i guess well i was yeah i was pretty devastated because
2: i've heard a lot about him um Mm. and how and you know he's been promoted could sign this new long-term contract um and yeah it was just a lapse in concentration i'm sure he deals with that most of the time in you know when he's played under 23s matches Mm. um but he just yeah lapse in concentration missed the ball but I thought he he recovered relatively well after that. I yeah, mean, he didn't have yeah. a lot to do, but he, you know he was, he was claiming crosses much better after that, and he made a, one decent save from a long shot. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a mistake. He was probably a bit nervous to make his first, his you know, his debut in the first team. But mm. you know, it's got you know, it's good. It was today and not in like a league cup game. Yeah, it's what preseason's all about. Mm. Yeah,
0: and Max, you wouldn't have seen this, but. Mr. Johnson, can I have a word on that outstanding free kick from Thomas Partey, which almost broke the goal in
1: half? Oh, I was howling Um, <laughs> at the time I was walking my dogs, uh, trying to get them, you know, <laughs> nice and rested before I recorded this. And I've like got it up on my phone. Uh, my cell service is failing because we're at like the very edge of the neighborhood. And I step back in and it just goes super fuzzy. And then the recording gets ridiculously clear just as he hits the ball it was like this you know coming to jesus moment and then it rattled the frame and i was so bitter yeah. but yeah i mean he was brilliant he was very Some good of his passing was excellent and he had yeah, he really yeah. sharp um he he's been definitely i think has been you know understudying pablo mari must have been through the summer because at one point mari had one ridiculous little like Dummy turn through the defenders. I was, who is this man? Yeah, it was really funny to watch, but no, he was, he didn't really put a foot wrong. He also had one amazing tackle that started a breakaway. I think it was on the one where Balogun didn't quite catch a hold of his shot. Yeah. Yeah. But he Mm. made about 15 yards of ground, like launched himself outside of the foot tackle, perfectly placed to Balogun. Like he is, he looked really confident in a team that did not look very confident. Um, and I think the free yeah. kick was rather indicative of that, but you know too early to say, but maybe he's found his shooting boots or something akin. I just I hope he's growing in confidence and feeling like he can have more of a of a general like general as an army general, not general as in you know wide ranging more <laughs> more of a commanding role, shall we say, in this team, yeah, yeah, I think
0: that that's certainly gonna happen this season, especially with Granit Shaka's exit. Uh, looking likely this summer. So yeah, I think we've talked about that before, how that progressive onus is going to be taken by Partey this season and maybe a more like combative midfielder will be brought in alongside him, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Um, hopefully that that's the sort of rumour mill concerning a central midfielder will heat up over the course of the next week with the Euros done. Um, okay then, I think it might be time to hand over to you, Mac, uh, and you can quiz us about our our feelings
1: about Sunday's final lads I can't lie to you two maybe three shows ago I predicted Italy would win Mm -hmm. and I oh it, it really was painful um I think I was in such an unfortunate neutral position because I was you know not hoping for a good game, but also hope, hoping Italy would win so I could have some good vindication. But at the same time, as soon as Saka stepped on the pitch, my my loyalties were very much frayed. Mm. Um, I think, personally, there's was, there was a lot of conflict there, and I've never seen the chat as dead as it was <laughs> during and after that game. I think Daniel, at one point, commented, mm. like, you could hear a pin drop in here. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the result was devastating, but... I'll start with uh, with Max because you didn't, you know, watch the game today, and I I, I want to get your voice heard. Uh, reactions to I'll give you Sokka's performance, the team's performance in general, and then just the general feeling about, uh, you know, how things went out went down. Um, yeah,
3: I think it's hard sometimes to decipher whether Southgate asserted like control and um, a lot of coolness maturity over games or whether he was just set his team out to play quite conservatively but it felt like it felt like we just played for penalties from the second minute <laughs> I feel like that early goal was a, was a, a blessing and a curse in hindsight um, I thought Italy were really good though I, I think we can't discount that I thought they were really their experience definitely came through Especially in that second half, they just completely controlled us. Mm. I thought we looked quite tired uh, as well. I think players like Sterling; it kind of showed. He's played literally every minute of every game, as well as a pretty intensive season for City. You can't expect him to, you know, be be at a hundred percent. But I always i had i had quite a weird feeling coming into this tournament because. I think the concept of England itself, especially over the past year, has been quite uh, politicised to an extent where I feel quite disconnected because the idea of being patriotic, of being proud of your country and England is linked to some not very nice things, uh, mm. to put it lightly, which, mm. which, which was highlighted after the game. So I found it quite hard to, you know, get into that mode.
0: Yeah, I think we should get on to sort of what's happened in the aftermath a bit, a bit later in the show. But I think it's important we do discuss it.
3: Yeah, but so the concept of England, I was going back and forth over. But the the players themselves and the manager are an absolute credit um, to, to everyone. They li- They are an absolute joy to support. They're not only just brilliant footballers but stand-up guys Mm. and the thing that makes them so special is that they're not special at all that these guys have they're just normal guys who are exceptional at football and they're not like the players of the past who had you know they needed people to speak for them these players will speak for themselves they'll call out the home secretary Um, you know they'll they'll feed millions of hungry kids they'll support trans rights like it's it's really lovely to see players like Saka just make your heart melt like that picture of him on the unicorn I was just like I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> stop smiling it's just so cute and I don't mean to like infantilize him but um
1: no it, it was definitely special yeah he's my whatsapp chat background now yeah it's really fun I every time I open the app I just <laughs> see Saka jumping into the pool on a unicorn and I smile yeah uh, Certainly amazing. Um and your point is well taken just in terms of the almost the lack of ego that can exist within this English team sometimes. I think historically we haven't seen teams work together. Um it's been a lot of divided rivalries and you know, I've heard on podcasts and interviews from players like Lampard and Gerard and Rio Ferdinand that club club rivalries really did interfere with the team chemistry and the togetherness of England teams in the past. And obviously, if you're looking at togetherness in terms of a national team, there's nowhere you can get better than Italy. But this England team really is creating something special and doing so as a unit. And I think that's awesome. Um, And uh, Alfie, let's get your thoughts next on, you know, all of the above. Uh, Start potentially with the game and with Saka's performance, but then going forwards, if you wish. Oh, well, I think we've lost Alfie. <laughs> I do think we've lost Alfie. Uh, I'll re-add him to the call. Rob, let's get your thoughts in the meantime. Um, Yeah, it was a um,
0: really devastating game, to be honest. Um, you know, I agree with Max that we adopted something of a pragmatic approach as the game sort of developed, which was really disappointing. You know, there were some really bright moments at the start of the game when Kieran Trippi was finding all sorts of freedom down that right-hand side uh, and Kane was dropping into some really nice deep positions to find him. I think it was one of the first games in the tournament where that tendency of Kane to drop really deep was actually sort of paying dividends for England and getting, getting us into some really, really strong positions. And I'd say even up until sort of the last five minutes of the first half, we were still very much like, if not in the well, yeah, we were definitely in the game because we were winning the game. But, you know, we had a level of control over it, over the contest. And then in the second half, it was like, you know, we were just playing for that that final whistle. And that, that really wasn't good to see. Um, I don't know if that was under instruction or whether it was due to a bit of fear and nerves coming in. But, yeah, I, I was really disappointed to see that. But then we did make it to the shootout, mm. uh, which was you know, a testament to our really improved defensive uh, sort of record. You know, we only conceded two goals over the course of the whole tournament, both from set pieces. I mean, the goal we conceded against Italy was so messy and disappointing to concede. But again, from a set piece and a bit of ping ball going on. So, you know, it's the sort of goal that I guess can be excused somewhat. Um and then, yeah, we just fumbled it in the shootout. Uh, I really felt for the three players who missed. I mean, especially Saka, of course, but Rashford's was a was just such a difficult penalty to watch because he did everything right. He sat Donnarumma down and all he had to do was pick out the left corner. Or he could have even probably sent it down the middle um, and he just hit the post. And then Sancho, you know, I felt for him too because Donnarumma just makes the goal look so bloody small. Such an imposing goalkeeper, uh, and definitely one of the hardest goalkeepers to take penalties uh, against in the world. Uh, So yeah, it was a devastating day to be an English fan. But you know, after the game, I I I was full with pride. But I I just feel like my uh, sort of emotion and sort of the overwhelming happiness that I've felt over the course of the last few weeks has sort of disintegrated as time has gone past. Not really because we lost, but genuinely just because of some of the things that have come out over how England fans have been behaving. And yeah, especially in, uh, in the build-up to the game with people trying to break into the stadium, I get that you really want to be in, but come on, it, you're just painting us in a bad light and now looks unlikely that we'll be able to host the World Cup in 2030. Um, so yeah, that, that was, it's just really sad that sort of all that national unity is, is fell to pieces in the, uh, moments after the game.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And as much as I can't speak to it, I think there was a lot of, it's interesting from an American perspective, a lot of people who aren't really, you know, football fans will pick one team or the other to support kind of off of a whim or what they've seen on social media yeah. and, it's interesting to see the same people who were supporting Italy one day kind of posting about the injustices done to a lot of the England players, the next, Mm. Um, obviously there were, it's, it's not my favorite thing, but there were a lot of high profile muggings at Wembley as well. Um, You know, and there were a lot of frankly, pretty heinous acts carried out uh, before we get into the really shitty repercussions, frankly, from this game and, from a lot of the England fans. Uh, Alfie, thank you for rejoining us. Um, Yeah, uh, thoughts on... (laughs) I was tempted to ditch Um, you. Yeah, just so you wouldn't have to edit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, But no, just general thoughts. Uh, Yeah, pretty much everything. I mean, Saka on the penalty Mm. shootout, on the tactics, on the reaction. Yeah. Well,
2: I think on the approach as the we guys were saying, I think kind of like how we approached the Germany game with the back three, um, quite conservative, keep it tight until 60, 60, 70th minute around that period, then bring on some more expressive players like Grealish. I think the game plan was sort of disrupted by the fact that we actually scored early and yeah. scored early and the team didn't look like they knew what to do at that point because that wasn't really in the game plan. um. And, yeah, we didn't have another shot in the first half. And I think, although I think we contained Italy pretty well in that first half, we didn't have another shot in that half. Um, and I think the second half, Italy did start to create chances and looked a lot better. And we were pretty poor in that second half. And, yeah, I mean, it did look like we were playing for extra time. I think the penalties, I think people talk about the decision to allow a 19-year-old to take the fifth penalty, which is notoriously the most pressure penalty. If it, you know, if it gets to that point, it can often be the decisive penalty. Um, And yeah, I mean, he probably shouldn't have taken it. And I think as much as you can say, oh, he put himself forward and, you know, the manager's going to pick the players that put themselves forward. I think at the end of the day, Gareth Southgate has to take the initiative there. It's, uh, you know, he has to say no. Someone more senior take it. Grealish has come out and said he wanted to take a penalty and put himself forward. Um, and I know it's you know this the thing about Saka's fearlessness, um, and how he's, you know, he's very fearless and he he he, he takes responsibility at his age. Um, but you know he's never taken a senior penalty in his career in it in his professional career. Neither is Jalen Sancho. So. Mm. Those did feel like questionable decisions along with the game plan. But, you know, I've bigged up Gareth Southgate for this whole tournament. I'm not going to rip into him. I think he's probably the best available English coach who would be willing to take the job. So I don't think we should move him forward. I think there are probably a few better English coaches. But whether they want to be the England manager at this point, I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, I was obviously devastated. I I waited in a pub. I got to a pub at 10 a.m. in Shoreditch. It was the one of the only pubs in London that was doing walk-ins. Mm. And the guy, we initially didn't get a table. That was when it opened at 10. They were like, the guy was like, "Um, yeah, I got here at eight and there were already people here waiting for a table. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, we, we some we were lucky that someone pulled out and we were able to get a table at 10 a.m. We had to yeah. get their open, opening time. So I was there, no, it was 11 a.m., sorry. I was there for nine hours before the game (laughs) and then, yeah, it was a great atmosphere in the pub all day and then for the match, but pretty devastating when we lost. And then, yeah, uh, not great scenes afterwards in Shoreditch, to be honest, Um, walking around. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty devastating end to the game and pretty uh, unsavory scenes, um, you know, during the day, you know, in, in certain areas of London and obviously at Wembley. Um, and then obviously we'll get into it, but sort of the the stuff that went on online and just some of the crimes, hate crimes that happened in London in the aftermath.
1: Yeah, no, certainly. Um, and I'm not really sure who wants to take a start on that. I saw a couple of unfortunate things on Twitter about people being pushed in front mm. of trains into rivers, I should say black people being pushed into, you know, in front of trains, into rivers. Um, Mm. There was the uh, defiling of the Marcus Rashford thing in Manchester that's been obviously making the rounds, but just a really demeaning and defining night for, I think, a lot of the English public and especially with how fast the reaction turned, but turned in not just a way that was, you know, angry at the manager and angry at the team, like the fact that The white manager of the England team and the white players have had to come out and basically form, you know, an online meat shield, for lack of a better word, to like protect Mm -hmm. the black players on the team from the England fans. I think it it really is a question of where, you know, where the loyalties actually lie. Um, There was a poll done on Sky Sports specifically, and this is one thing I will say, that uh, 50 percent of fans think racism is a problem in football. Are just over. And 80% of fans think racism is a problem in England. Um, and just the fact there's a 30% gap in that I think is rather interesting because we've seen a lot. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, Go for it, Alf.
2: The fact that we knew immediately when Saka missed that penalty and that was it, that it was absolutely inevitable that like you'd see these comments online under the players' post not stuff, to mention
1: Sancho and Rashford as just well says
2: like we we knew immediately that that yeah. was going to happen and the fact that it was that inevitable just shows like what it's come to and it's you know it, it's happened you know with Mbappe when he missed the penalty so it's, it's a, clearly a problem everywhere but you know I don't I, like it's it's just a very sad way for this well it's a pretty horrendous way for this to end when it's sort of felt like we were beginning to sort of overcome this and show the progressive side of, of England as a country um, and you know i don't know just yeah pretty horrible yeah but uh, it comes from the top if we if we're going to look at it, it comes from the po- the politicians who failed to yeah. condemn this sort of behavior if you look at Boris Johnson some of the things he's said in the past the fact he he didn't Take, you know, he didn't fully back the taking of the knee. Pretty Patel, I mean, don't even get me started on her. Some of her comments, yeah, she's had a bad time. The way she tried to come back, I mean, what a and Let's talk anchor. first of all. Yeah, good yeah, on Tara his, his clap back and his response, her was,
1: it was perfect, frankly. um But again, it shouldn't be his responsibility to say that. You know, it shouldn't be his responsibility to come out and shut people down. It's the job of politicians to protect and represent the citizens in a fair and equal light. And that's not happening. Um, I would also say it's, there's some of it that's down to the FA, but also down to UEFA and FIFA. You know, these organizations that frankly, have not only been uh, behind decades behind, I would argue on human rights issues with all the things that have been happening with various World Cups and stadiums being built and from Brazil to Russia to Qatar, it's all pretty awful. But then to kind of stick it into this category of uh, a player, Glenn Camera, gets banned for 10 games for, or sorry, my bad, Andre Kudula gets banned for 10 games for racially Mm. abusing another player, as opposed to the year and a half Andre Onana got, or sorry, two years, cut to a year and a half that Andre Onana got for taking a pill that he thought was an Advil. Um, Yes, you have to be pretty stupid not to read the label on a pillbox, but Mm. at the same time, it's, um, I don't know. It, it's a mistake, mistake, whereas it's a versus a genuine act of bigotry and hatred against another human. And I think the fact that those yeah. are, you know, the reciprocal pen, penalty to have the reciprocal penalties that they are is um, it's pretty stark and it's pretty telling. and I'm obviously not a fan. But you know, I think it's the next step is where where do we go from here? And I want to get Max's thoughts on this just as a last little thing before we do Spotlight and wrap things up. Where do we go from here in terms of improving rights, improving um improving representation and decreasing racism, but also spreading awareness and education about it? How do we how do we fix this problem that is clearly so deeply seated that we can't see the extent of it?
0: I think that is just such a tough question because no is, one to be seems fair, to know mate, what's do.
3: Um, mate, mate, I'm not. I'm look. We're we're we can sit here and talk about this and have a conversation. You're not right. At the end then. of the day, we're four. Like we're four pretty privileged white guys. We, you know, we don't. We're you know we're all very young as well. I don't. I'm not gonna sit here and waffle. Like I have the answer to this question. The the, the little I can say is, um, people that people that act like there's two ends to this spectrum, right? If you act like taking the knee is the be all and end all, and it's gonna solve racism for good, you're you're right. a fucking idiot, basically. But also, if you oppose it, if you oppose it, you're also just as much of an idiot. The taking of the knee is 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 there as a anti-violent protest and a symbol of education. If my my eight, my brother's eight, um, and he'll, he'll watch a he'll watch a game of football. I remember he asked me why they're doing this. I explained, that's education. And that's how, yeah, if you educate children example. from an early age, that's how it starts. You can't, a 50-year-old 50, 50 Barry, yeah, who's who's you know saying the N-word online to Saka and Rashford and Sancho, he's not going to look at someone taking the knee and go, oh, wow, you know what, maybe black people are all right. That's not how it works. But where it changes is, if you're the son of Barry, and your favorite player is Rashford and you see him speaking out and you see him taking the knee that can cause a bit of conflict you know how football's football's? I think this tournament is is such a good example for every good bit of for every incredible goal for every good bit of skill for every good footballing moment there's been this politicalisation of it i think this this tournament's been a really um important You know, mark in in footballing history. I think, especially as as the pandemic hopefully draws to a close, it's it's been the centre of a lot of attention Mm. from the outside world as well. But you're asking for solutions. I mean, mate, I I don't have them. them But I think
1: the (laughs) answer the answer you have given is more what I was looking for. I think my question was rather (laughs) unfair. Um, Mm. Yeah, I think. I, I hope at least I think the, yeah, yeah. that we're getting to the point where the next yeah, generation think, has something to do with it. But
0: well, yeah, I think what well, you were sort well, of touching. I just on want there, to say, Matt, so I'll, I'll just say this first: that about the politics and yeah, football. I think that if anything, this tournament has just proven that politics and football are inextricably linked. You know, it, it, it's it's just a fact. And yes. You know, unfortunately, when you gather 60,000 people in a stadium all together, guess what? Some political views are going to come out uh, because politics is life. Um, and I think it's really important that we use football and we recognize that football can be used as a platform to enforce positive political change. You know, I, I think it's a brilliant thing that we're seeing challenges to LGBTQ Um sort of views from from government to oppose uh sort of same-sex couples and things like that and then we've also obviously got issues of racism highlighted in more recent days you know it's just important that football is used positively to contest this and attempt to to make the changes we need uh and yeah i hope that in future we recognize that football doesn't need to be apolitical and football can be used as an extremely powerful tool to combat all the inequality and injustice we see in this world. I love it. And then Alf, I think
1: you had a point and we'll probably
0: Mm. cap it off here.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to say um, if you want to, there's a really good video from a guy called Femi on Mm. Twitter. I think, what's his handle? Femi underscore sorry. Um, And he's uh, he did a really good video about institutionalized racism in the UK. You might have to scroll down his his feed a bit, but that has a few solutions. So,
1: yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, nice and one more recommendation. Actually, there's a conversation that was I think filmed a few months ago, but it's between Ian Wright and Alan Shearer. Um, it was published on the Premier oh, League's yeah, Instagram. It's about 17 yeah. minutes long. Uh, but it's one of the better watches you'll ever have. Uh, you know, we we obviously love mm. Ian Wright here um, from his antics on the field and what we've discussed to the fact that he really is a legend and is starting to represent this Arsenal team in the best possible way, you know, going into the future. Um, but Shearer as well has, you know, those insights of someone who might be your Uncle Barry. Uh, he is from an older generation, but he is also in a position where he is kind of attempting to educate himself on improving his views and on taking a wider world stance and on accepting more people. Um, And to hear him actually kind of hash that out with Ian and just the entire discussion of, you know, what to do, how to face it. Uh, If you want another tool that's a quick watch and is really, really powerful from two men just speaking their minds, I would recommend it. Um, I think if no one has any objections or extra points to add, we can head into our spotlight. Yeah, that's a good one. You can carry on if you want, Maxed up. Uh, yeah, let's do it. So, my spotlight—super simple. I love Arsenal training videos, and I'm so glad they're back. Um, I re- I've, I always like, I always enjoy watching them for one reason or another. And my thing that I'm picking up this week is the ability to hear Mikel Arteta really talk to the team. Uh, the two things that he noted before this game that were beyond important and beyond key that he kept kind of hashing over and over, and you can hear it audibly. Is he's saying keep passes on the ground and that the tempo needs to be higher. Now, one of my biggest grouses with Arsenal over the years is this weird tendency that our players developed to like ding a pass in at shin height, which even when it's <laughs> yeah. not particularly hard hit is just annoying to control and very much seeds possession. And the ability to keep it low and hard and accurate is something that a lot, you know, we've seen from almost every good team ever. Um, the hard, the easier the passes to control, the better you can kind of maneuver around the field. And in terms of tempo, this Arsenal team today, yes, against Hibbs, but also just generally does tend to be a bit low tempo and low energy, especially in games that we should be controlling and winning. So I don't know. I just, I am, I'm still backing Arteta. I still have my faith uh, in him, but it's, it was just a small little sign that potentially the progression is still there because this team has stagnated a little bit under him. Obviously we had a very good spring um, that was hamstrung by some unfortunate injuries, but I'd like Mm -hmm. to see that good spring extend into a good season, of course, with some signings, but you know, I just, any little thing that can give me some hope right now is something I'm looking for. Um, Spotlights, who else has one? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to cold call you if you're not ready, but Alf. Um. Well,
2: I just want to spotlight two articles that have gone up on UK recently. Um, the Fintons frolic this week, which was about the. uh, the, uh, uh
0: Amazon yeah, crime, that's pretty really
2: good. All or nothing, which is kind of is yeah. That's a, that's a nice Fintons frolic, pretty jokes. Um, and then also Rob's
0: letter to Pocoyo.
1: Um, which yeah, was, yeah. Not lovely, I nice. really
0: enjoyed that nice
2: little
0: piece. To Thanks, Paco, guys. To reassure, yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll grow he from it, I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, I'm a, I'm gonna do one in, in a similar yeah. vein to Mac. I'm gonna shout out the Arsenal media team and their. Uh, I know we touched on this earlier, but their persistence on ensuring that we, we can in no way find out. Emile Smith Rowe's new number. Um, you know some of the some of the pictures they've put out with him sort of covering it up or just in specific angles have been brilliant. So uh, fair play to them for maintaining that secret as well as they possibly can.
1: All right, uh, Max, what do you have for us?
3: Um, yeah, on a on a lighter note from what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, as as we said, Tyrone Mings' tweet was brilliant um criticizing Pretty Patel on her hypocrisy and calling out racism whilst inciting it in her own political views and messages. Mm. But I thought what was uh, what was amazing was uh his fellow England centre back Harry Maguire's tweet uh today. Um was it today? Yeah it was today. Um I'll try and read it out in my best Harry Maguire impression. <laughs> um Thank you, England. You cheered your heart out. Now eat your heart out. Get a free taco today from Taco Bell. (laughs) So he's been, for some reason, Harry Maguire's got a sponsorship from Taco Bell and he's just tweeted that. So if you want to get a free, this is not a sponsorship, but if you want to get a a free taco, then then go to Harry Maguire's Twitter and I'm sure you can get one there. But I don't know why (laughs) that's happened. It's pretty weird timing as well. Um, That's almost, it's almost a Wayne Rooney tweet.
1: Yeah. 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 That's definitely going in the, in the hall of fame. Absolutely. Uh, Well, lads, it's been a pleasure Um, from the very lighthearted to the very serious. This podcast has really covered everything. Um, I want to thank you all for your brilliant insight, both into football, obviously, but also into some, you know, very sensitive topics. Uh, It's difficult and we are, of course, in a position where we don't face the adversity and the racism that a lot of our countrymen and our friends, frankly, do. Um, so yeah, just thank you for being discreet and being uh, conscientious about everything. It's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, as always. Max, great having you on again. Welcome back. Cheers, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Alf, welcome back to the show. I'm glad you're getting a bit more regular. Yeah, yeah. Have to support the, uh, the sideshow. that really is a sideshow and uh rob my co-host any words of wisdom to head us out no no i just second everything you said and yeah i know
0: we can't do much but all we can do is carry on sort of promoting good messages and messages of equality and you know we're we're all open-minded people we're we're i know that we uh can't exactly do much in in the fight against racism but as we keep saying just keep on relaying the messages and uh yeah hopefully um in the not f- too distant future we'll see some proper change because it's required and also uh if you're somehow listening Bakaya, i'm desperate for you to hear me <laughs> um, <laughs> everything will be okay
1: and we we all love you and we're behind you absolutely all right well uh to all of you beautiful listeners if you want to you know like share repost Put it on your Instagram stories. Do whatever you want. Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Mm. See you later. Bye.